What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? I am excited to be introducing you to the podcast version of our episode number 81 of Ridge Runners Live, this time with Katie Rosar, a repeat guest. We had her on about last year um, around the same time to discuss her race at Long Haul 100. We did the same again, except the only difference was this year she won the damn thing. Um, and we were so stoked to have her on in three years at the Long Haul 100. She went from running 28 hours running 20 hours and as i said before winning the damn thing uh we are super proud of her and the progress she's shown and we were so excited to uh dig deep into not only the race but then also you know what are the uh the changes that she made um you know and yeah i am really excited for y'all to listen to this one and let us know how it goes um and as i'm always going to be intro on these i think now just taking a all the notes I can from Debo. Love y'all. See you on the next one. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. We are going back to back nights, back to back episodes of Ridge Runners Live, and here to talk about Katie Rosar. Back to back to back finishes at the Long Haul 100. We had her on last year uh, around the same time um, to talk about her race there. It was a finish of about 25 hours then. And, you know, in the meantime, she came back and, you know, just absolutely blew me and Wesley's predictions out of the water for this one, finishing first overall in a time of a little, just over 20 hours. Um, and going back to even her first finish, there was about 28 hours. So that three-year progression of 28 hours to 25 hours to 20 hours is just so incredible and we are so stoked to have katie back on the show to uh to talk about this so uh without further ado katie how are you doing tonight i'm doing great i'm glad to be back and glad to be chatting with you guys again yeah we are super super stoked to have you back on uh, just as we are super super stoked for everybody who sat through um our technical difficulties in the <laughs> intro we definitely introed the show um and then realized it was not happening um <laughs> So those, those things happen. Um, if you don't know, uh, my name is Cam Wrench. I'm the sixth man of the nation. I'll be hosting tonight with John Dolovacki there in Kent, Ohio. John, uh, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. Uh, you know, we just had a great run through of our, of our live show intro and, you know, I'm happy to be doing it again here. Uh, I, you know, as I said earlier, I was very excited about tonight's run. You know, I'm feeling in a good mood because, you know, it was 16 degrees. It was very tropical in comparison to yesterday's seven degrees up here in Ohio. But as always, let's get started with our um, favorite part of the show. And uh, Katie, what are you drinking over there? I've got an athletic brewing upside dawn over here. Yeah, Pretty I love those stuff. beers. They all taste really, really good. And I have a couple upstairs, actually. But tonight for me, I'm drinking a local beer from uh, North Water Brewing Company here in Kent, Ohio. It is called the Hump and Hustle. It is a 6.5% hazy. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Cam, how about you? What do you got over there in Missoula? Yeah, so um, I've also got a, a local-ish beer. It depends on how uh, how close you consider Glacier to be to Missoula. Driving distances are a little different out here. Um, <laughs> but I've got the Glacier Golden Grizzly Ale. Um, as usual, I, I like to buy beers based on the packaging. And, you know, this this guy looks like he's having a good time. Yeah, and so for local for you, I would say, you know, since, you know, everything should be local is within your own area code. And for you, that's the whole entire state. So... Uh, everything's local for you. <laughs> that's yeah. Even even in like Miles City, that's you know like a thousand miles away or whatever. When uh, Idaho is gonna have a different area code and it's about thirty eight miles away. 
Oh man. It's been a good show tonight, Cam. Yeah, there is, there is a uh, nothing like it, but I do, do love it here in Missoula, but we're here to, you know, talk about, uh, Katie and her race at the long haul 100. I already mentioned, uh, you know, in three years, 28 hours to 20 hours. I'm just personally, I'll obviously flabbergasted by that in a good way. <laughs> um, you know, just because I'm like, how do I, how do I get that? You know, if we had Wesley, he would know the TikTok re- reference that I'm making. But like, how do I get one of those? Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll start. My very first question is going to be, you know, Katie, um, in three years, you went from finishing, you know, 61st overall, 20th um, gender place to, you know, ninth and first overall at this race. And just how does that feel? I mean, has that like sank in yet fully? It still feels pretty surreal, um, to be honest. Um, I mean, even with, you know, I think about 20 ultras under my belt at this point, I'm still feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, um, especially finishing that well. It doesn't really feel real yet. I don't know if it ever will. Um, I'm still learning so much about the 100-mile distance, and it just feels good to know that everything seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's definitely the direction I would like things to be going. <laughs> um, but you know, we you kind of mentioned that you know you already you've run like twenty ish ultras. Um, how many times can I say you've run three long hauls in an episode? I promise I'll stop. But um, you know, what were your goals like when you when you first started running ultras? Like, let's kind of paint a, a broader picture of this progression here. Yeah, so the first ultra that I ran was actually almost exactly three years ago today. Um, It was a road 50K in 2019. Um, I went into that with pretty much zero training. Just wanted to throw myself in and see what would happen. I remember the weather was cold, cold for Florida, you know, probably like 50 degrees, which is pretty, pretty (laughs) freezing for us. Um, It was cold and raining, you know. Um, I was Mm -hmm. eating this like goo that to this day, I can't stand to look at because, I don't know, bad memories. Um, I couldn't walk normal for several mm-hmm. days after that. So like all in all, you would think it would be a bad experience. But after crossing the finish line and finishing that race, I was hooked. So I guess when I first started running ultras, my main goals were just to finish, you know, just to push my body, see how far I could go. Um, so after that first 50K, I signed up for my first um, trail 50 miler. And like I said, I just wanted to see if I could even do it, you know? Um, cause when you see those distances on paper, it doesn't always seem like a tangible thing that you can like push your body to do. So yeah, when I started, I just wanted to see if I could even do it, you know? Like, so for moving that progression of like, you know, just trying to see if you can do it, you know, you, you went through when you moved all the way up to this hundred mile distance. And then I know, Last year when you were on the show, you talked about how the main goal for the second attempt at long haul was to just have fun because um, yeah. the first year you didn't have as much fun. Uh, no. And so <laughs> I'm just kind of curious how that progression evolved from last year's goals to, to what you, this year's goals were. Was it was it to go out and win? Like, no. Was it intention? <laughs> no, that was not even a thought, like not even halfway through the race. That wasn't even a thought in my mind this year. Um, but... Last year, the goal of, you know, just going out and having a good time and, you know, keeping it pretty chill and, you know, comfortable, I had gotten injured a few months prior to that. So I was just happy to get to the starting line in general and just, you know, be out there and see if I could do a little bit better than the year prior. Um, 
But this year, the mindset was definitely different. Um, I had put in way more training and I felt way more confident in my legs and just my ability to get faster and do better. I don't think I had a, like a placing kind of goal, but I did have a time goal in mind. And wherever that fell, you know, would be icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. But, you know, given that, and I mean, maybe I'm one of the only people who's doing this because, you know, me and Wesley are writing up predictions for these things, but <laughs> you, you look at those results and you kind of, you know, you look at people's training on Strava and their, their results in other races, you know, Katie, you had won or placed very highly at almost every other distance you had done. And it kind of felt like, it's like, when's she going to do this in the hundred mile distance? And you know, obviously we, we picked you to finish second um, at this one, but did you kind of maybe feel that like, you know, I can put it together at, you know, 50 mile or 50 K, you know, six hour races and go out there and compete or, you know, was this, are your goals solely, you know, time-based when you go to these events? Yeah. I don't think I've ever gone into a race with the goal of like winning. Like, I don't think that's ever, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I want to, I want a podium or whatever. I think it's mainly like personal goals. Like I want to always try to do better, um, than what I've done previously. So my goals are more like progression based and maybe more time based. So I know that like the first 50 miler I ran was a little bit over 10 hours. I knew that the next 50 miler I ran, if it was like similar terrain, you know, I want to go under that. And however the placing works, you know, in relation to that, that's all, you know, like I said, icing on the cake, but I don't think I've ever, you know, I'm a competitive person. And if I see, you know, that maybe it's possible for me to get a podium or something. If I know that, you know, I'm racing with the same people and it's possible, then yeah, of course I'm going to go after it, but I don't ever go into a race with that kind of mindset. Like, yeah, I'm going to go win this kind of thing. Maybe you okay. should now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, you do have a few, I mean, first overalls, you know, I, it, I mean, but, I, I won't lie. It does feel pretty good to, to beat the guys. <laughs> just being honest it does it feels pretty nice when that happens <laughs> yeah, that, we can, that like a driver uh, we can only end? pretend to know <laughs> yeah was that like a driver think, for you at the end of the race were you trying to like just if you found a dude where you're like i'm gonna take him down i got this he's going <laughs> to fall and i'm gonna push him over if i have to or whatever <laughs> so at the the swamp 100k last february i think i was saying that like all day there was this aid station and maybe it was a crew tent of women that were helping this other guy they were crewing for some guy and I, every time i passed them i was like i'm gonna beat the guys i'm gonna beat the guys it was, just, it was a pretty small race but um yeah <laughs> yeah and so um let's kind of you know start then like our a little bit of our, our deep dive because i i really am super interested in in this progression and how how you got there. Obviously there's always a little bit of a learning curve when anybody runs on ultras, you know, you just mentioned there's, there's a goo flavor you definitely can't eat anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's, I've definitely had some stupid things like that. Nothing's coming to mind now, maybe cause I still have yet to do some more, but, um, <laughs> you know, what did that learning curve like, uh, feel like for you as you went up in distances, you know, was it just a matter of trial and error or what were your, um, what were you doing in training to kind of, you know, learn, 
I, this question has gotten away from me, frankly. Um, <laughs> but like, what was the sort of that upward curve like for you in your experience? And like, let's, let's talk a little bit about your training into it. Yeah. So it kind of follows a pretty like neat three year progression. If I'm thinking about it that way, since I've been doing this for three years. So that first year in 2019, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> just to be mm -hmm. like very objective and blunt. Um, I was learning everything from scratch and I love learning. Um, so I loved that challenge of like diving into this, not really knowing anybody that was doing this in my area. I wasn't really immersed in the community yet. Um, so 2019, I was doing maybe a hundred miles a month, um, no structured training, no, you know, back to back long runs or anything structured like that. Um, so very minimal. Um, I think my mindset at that point was kind of like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, cause I just thought, you know, maybe it was my ego. Like I can just go do this. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I can just, you know, push myself and finish these things and not have the training to back it up. Obviously <laughs> that's, that's incorrect. Like that only works up to a certain point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 2020, I think I started, um, taking some of those lessons and training a bit more, um, thanks to COVID. Um, I had a lot more time to put in a little bit more consistent mileage still, you know, maybe ramping up to like 150 to maybe 200 miles a month, something like that, but still nothing structured, um, pretty inconsistent, still maybe running like four to five days a week. Um, getting a little bit more consistent, but still, you know, no structured training plan kind of thing. Um, but in doing that, I did end up ramping up way too quickly um, and ended up getting injured. I got, I think it was like a pretty bad bone bruise on my femur and some knee stuff going on um, just from ramping up way too quickly. Um, so that kind of put a damper on things as well. I was learning a lot more about nutrition and things as well. So playing around with different goos, you know, goo spring and all the different brands of, you know, our sweet things that we like to eat when we're running um, and what worked with my stomach and things like that. Um, but after last year's long haul, when I realized that I wasn't where I wanted to be at the end of that race, because the goal all along has been to go under 24 hours. And when I realized that everything I was doing up to that point was not getting me to that goal. I took a look at what I was doing and like started over from scratch again and took everything that I had learned up to that point and kind of molded it together and started reading a bunch of books, reading a bunch of articles, going online, you know, talking to other runners, getting advice from people and kind of putting it all together into a training plan that I thought would work for me at the time. So at the beginning of last year, um, and what that ended up looking like for me, like to get kind of specific about it, would mm -hmm. be um, a Monday rest or active recovery day, um, which would normally be like an indoor cycle kind of thing just to get the legs mm -hmm. moving, something super easy. Um, and then Tuesday through Sunday, um, it would range between 50 to about a peak of 80 miles per week with back-to-back -back long runs on the weekends. And I stuck to that schedule and I made it kind of like, um, like an unquestioned start to my day. So mm -hmm. that's when the consistency really kicked in. And the first month or so, 
was difficult because, you know, when you're starting to create a new habit, it's always difficult to stick with it. But like after that first month, things just started clicking, you know, and I think that's when everything started kind of like taking off in a way and being able to maintain that consistency all year. I think I hit a total of like, not that this number matters, but just under about 3000 miles last year, which was like a huge mm -hmm. personal accomplishment for myself. I had never run that much before. And just seeing that at the end of the year really showed me that like, you know, the consistency definitely did help for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I think, I think most people can kind of relate to, um, a lot of the things you said there, especially, you know, going to a race, uh, excuse me, a race and having a result and just not being happy with it and going back and looking at your training and being like, you know what, I'm not happy with that result, but it was, it's what I deserved for what I put into it. You know and I mean? Yeah. I, I'll be very frank. That's kind of how I felt about, you know, what, um, my DNF at rim to river 100, you know, it's like looking back on that year, it's like, yeah, that's the performance I was capable of that day. You yeah. know? Um, and so when you, you know, started digging into stuff and you're like, I'm going to put all of this together and I'm going to kind of, you know, turn, turn the dial up a little bit. What were some of those sources you were going to, you know, some of the things you were reading? Do you have any recommendations for our listeners? I actually, I think I have the book. Mm, I'm looking on my bookshelf right now. <laughs> okay. I don't have it in easy reach, but it's called the first book that I bought, um, was relentless forward progress. Okay. I can't remember who wrote it. It's I not think coming that's to the mind. I run far folks, uh, Megan Hicks and Byron Powell. Yes. Brian Powell. Brian, Brian Powell. Brian. Something like that. That one. Yeah. I think it's Brian Powell, right? There's a Y in it. I promise. Yeah. There's a B and a Y. So that, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, that was the first book that I picked up that I read cover to cover. Um, they have a few um, sample training plans in the book for races from 50K up to 100 miles with different weekly mileage targets and things like that. And so I took some of those plans, kind of molded them to what would work for like my life schedule. Um, so that was a good resource. Another one... Um, was by Megan and David Roach, the happy runner. Mm -hmm. um, that was more for mindset training and just to like relearn how to think about running as a whole from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so that book, I also listened to their podcast. I started, you know, binge listening to the podcast that they started, which I mm -hmm. learned a ton from. Um, and, you know, Trail Runner Mag articles, things like that. Um, there's another podcast, the strength running podcast. Okay. Um, that's a good one. Um, but since then I've picked up other books just to kind of, you know, supplement that base information. So one that I've read recently that has been amazing for mindset training is endure by Alex Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. I like highly recommend that book. It's an amazing book. Um, and then the other one, there's one more, um, Mental Training for Ultra Running by Addie Bracey. Okay. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I see a theme here and it's a lot of stuff focused on uh, your mental strength for running. Yeah. And not like physical strength obviously is important. Everyone understands it takes physical effort to, mm -hmm. to run a hundred, but you really focus on your mental game. Yep. It, was that like the, your big key from last year to this year or, or was it just a combination of all of it or what? I think 110% it was the mental side of it. 
for sure. And what, um, what was the difference? Like, what was the change there that you learned? I think it was the focus part and knowing that obviously the things that we do in our sport, there's ultimately going to be a situation where you like your legs are hurting. Like you don't want to continue. You start to think like, why am I doing this? Why am I out here? Why am I putting my body through this? Like this sucks right now. Um, and how to reframe those negative thoughts into positive things. Like, you know, this is temporary. The pain's going to go away. I'm fortunate to be in this position. I'm lucky to be able to like even come to the starting line and get to this point. Um, if I push hard right now, it's probably going to benefit me. I'm going to, you know, appreciate the result that I see at the end because I'm pushing hard right now and I can get through this. So I think kind of retraining my mind um, to get through those negative things that happen, like always in races, especially 100 milers, um, mm -hmm. has definitely helped. And I like thinking about, because like I'll think about actually like reading the physical book too. Cause I know mm -hmm. like our minds wander when we run long distances. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll like, I'll think about what I was feeling when I was reading the book also. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you hit on there and the, the ability to sort of reframe those, um, those thoughts. And it's definitely gonna, I'm, I might accidentally turn this into too much of a CBT thing. Um, but you know, like shout out to my, my former therapist, uh, Dr. Becky for teaching me a lot of this stuff, but that ability to, you know, like your brain's going to have a thought and just because you thought it, it doesn't mean it's, it's true or that you need to listen to it and that you can turn that around. That's not just a running skill, but that's, that's a life skill. So I, I really Absolutely. appreciate you mentioning that kind of thing. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And so um, it does seem you kind of have like a very 50-50 split of like mental training and not even just um, explicit mental training. I've read most of those books on that list um, and I'm obsessed with training books personally. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, a couple of other things with that, you know, I think a lot of ultra runners have a tendency and I've fallen into this trap myself is just like, we'll just go run miles, you know, um, with you know, some of the other stuff, I kind of assume I know what the answer this is going to be, but how did, um, you change your approach in terms of cross training? You already mentioned like a light bike ride on Mondays and uh, speed work or any interval work that you're doing as well. Yeah. So that was another thing that definitely changed. So I think in years prior I had, you know, just put on my shoes, headed out the door and ran just to run, you know, the pace was whatever it was. I didn't really focus on like easy runs being easy or, you know, hard runs being hard on purpose. Um, so now <laughs> that I've learned a little bit more, um, when I do my easy runs, they're easy and I don't go by heart rate. I go by perceived exertion, um, mainly because I wear, you know, my GPS watch and I don't think that's very accurate. I don't have a chest strap. Um, easy runs are easy. I don't do speed work in the traditional sense, like track workouts or like 800 meter repeats or something like that. But I will consciously, you know, try to either like negative split a run or finish faster than I started or focus on hill sprints. There are these overpasses that I have to run on my daily running route. <laughs> we don't have mountains here, but we do have overpasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll, whenever I get to an overpass, I'll sprint up the hill or something like that on mm -hmm. some days. So I'll work in things like that. Um, and then for cross training, 
you know, I've got the, the indoor trainer. I know absolutely nothing about bikes. You know, I got this indoor <laughs> trainer from some dude off Craigslist that I met in a parking lot somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, it's just there for easy cycling just to, you know, spin out leg the legs and, um, you know, keep the body moving. Um, I do try to lift and do some weight training. I should be better about it. Like, you know, it depends on the week, that's, but I do I, try. I think that's what every runner always says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, that's kind of my follow-up on that is because, you know, we, we talked with uh, Carmel Orogi and Lee Connor last night about their, their women's 100-miler project. And, you know, a big, a big aspect of that that Lee's pushing really hard is the, the cross-training and the strength-training aspect of things. You know, like, you're not going to finish a 100-miler, at least most people aren't, just off, you know, junk miles just lace up the shoes go out the door um but one thing that you mentioned is you know a lot of folks think that if they're going to you know to cross train they have to be in the gym and like be lifting barbells and doing heavy weights and all of these things so with um with how things have changed for you what was your perception previous to all of this and implementing these things about you know what it meant to do speed work or interval work for ultra running or what it meant to cross train or strength train for ultra running compared to the reality that has made you like an incredibly successful athlete, frankly. So when I started, you know, looking at all these training plans and seeing those words, so speed day or, you know, hill day or cross train day or whatever, it was a little intimidating to me because a, I don't have a track background, so I'm not familiar with like those kind of workouts. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a lot. It was a little overwhelming. Um, but in reality, like it wasn't that hard to work in elements of those things that worked for me personally. So like with the strength training aspect, we're very fortunate that we have a gym in our garage. Like we've got a squat rack and things like that. So when I was able to work it in, you know, it's like 10, 15 minutes. I'll do a few, you know, I don't know, like three by eight reps of back squats, do some lunges, you know, cause little things like that add up over time. It may not seem like it in the moment. Like you may think that you need to be in the gym for an hour or two or something like that, but even a stimulus like that, that's pretty short, you know, and I would, you know, I try to do that a couple times a week. Like even that it still helps. Little things still help in my opinion, you know, I'm not an exercise physiologist either. So, <laughs> but I think yeah. it still helps. <laughs> Yeah. And there's, um, shout out to John. I don't know which of the three cats that you live with there wanted to join the show there, but shout out to you. Thor wanted that to be on the Thor. show tonight, but you know, unfortunately this is a human show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so definitely, you know, there's that, uh, that's dif- different stimulus there. Let's talk a little bit about how, you know, what um what changed in like your your mental approach? You talked about you know reframing thoughts and you know taking your mind to different places. Um, but did you do any sort of specific mental training outside of running, or was this in the context of your runs, or what did that look like? Not really. Um, okay. I like to let my mind wander and not really focus too much on the task at hand, especially during races. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive and you should be focused on the race. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, like sometimes I do have that laser focus, but I find that it's easier for myself to kind of like wipe my mind clean and not think about anything. Um, 
So, and I do that in my daily runs. So I try to like emulate how I feel, you know, just on the daily when I do my, my training in races. So I think reframing that and kind of trying to make race day seem as normal as possible, Mm -hmm. um, has definitely helped. I don't know if that answers the question, but I don't think I did anything, you know, really specific for mental training other than the books that I mentioned and, you know, kind of becoming a sponge and like flooding Mm -hmm. myself with all of this, you know, outside information from podcasts and different sources. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Immersing yourself in all that stuff is definitely, I think, you know, one way to make sure your mind's, you know, constantly, you know, ticking away at different, different methodologies and stuff like that. And, it's nice oh, yeah. to hear like you, you know, talk about RPE. Um, you know, I, I just started with a coach this year and, and they've had me switch to that mindset. So, uh, you know, I may not have specific trails out here, um, f- you know, to match out West, much like you don't have any specific trails to match out West out there. No. So just making sure that, you know, you can, you can manage your run, uh, whatever trail you're on with a specific, you know, exertion level. Um, yeah. So that makes me feel good about being on the right path, I guess. But um, yeah. uh, I mean, different things work for different people. I know a lot of people that do the MAF method and the heart rate method and things like that. Um, personally, maybe I'll switch to that one day. I don't know. Give it a shot. But but it does require extra gear. Yeah. You know, because most watches are, I mean, they're getting better. But from everything mm. I've I've read, they're pretty pretty awful still yeah. in terms of telling uh, your heart rate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, what kind of, so you said you do some strength training, what kind of strength training do you do? Uh, is it purely weights or is it more of like, uh, plyometrics or, or calisthenics or what are you, what are you specifically doing? It depends on what I'm in the mood for. <laughs> um, so like I said, we do have a squat rack, which I try to use as much as possible. Um, we've got some other equipment in our weight room too. Um, but most of the time, it's after my runs. I don't know if this is really considered as strength work, but it's called the um, – David Roach has this routine called speed legs and mountain legs. It's like this five-minute routine that you can do after your run, and it's just a series of, like, step-ups and things like that, but really focusing on your form and, like, making that movement, you know, substantial. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have like a, a formal weight training routine. It's <laughs> kind of do whatever you feel like it. Yeah. Um, do you do a lot of uh, like a single leg or balanced style exercises or are you mostly like just not? I do try to. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had gotten injured um, 2020. I've got a good friend that's a PT that taught me. Mm-hmm a lot of strengthening exercises that I should be doing. And I do try to still do those things because I've got some weak knees and some weak ankles. And, you know, her advice is indispensable. I'll text her every now and then if I've got a niggle or like something that's bothering me and she'll immediately send me all these videos on YouTube for little strengthening exercises. So I do try to do some PT things and balance and um, other like joint stabilization kind of exercises. And so you, so we've, we've got all these training aspects of so far, you know, the things that you've changed over the past couple of years and, and new methodologies that you've uh, incorporated into your training style. So obviously this has brought to you to this, you know, brought you up to this race at this point and you've gone into it. 
I kind of want to hear, uh, you know, a quick little deep dive of this race and how that, you know, went for you and, and what were the down points and kind of how you chugged through those. If you even had down points, I'm assuming you had down points, you know, it's hundred miles. Yeah. So there's down points. Um, I don't want to there's assume always that, down points. there's down points. So kind of want to hear like a deep dive, I guess, you know, of how this race really went for you this year and, and maybe throwing back to the previous years as you go, I guess. Yeah. So ooh, where to start? This is like a, a big question, right? Okay. So the start of the race, I think it was, it was pretty chilly for us. Maybe not for you guys, but start of the race, I started in a jacket and it was beautiful weather. Um, and I remember starting and just feeling like super fresh and, you know, the weather was perfect. So the first, I don't know, the first 50 K I just, I felt amazing. There was nothing wrong. Actually, I take that back. <laughs> it's been, it's been like, how long has it been? Two weeks now? I'm a little fuzzy. Just about. Something like that. In the first loop, I had planned on drinking this specific electrolyte drink. And during that first 10 miles, it was really upsetting my stomach. You know, I was in, the, in and out of the porta potty. So I quickly had to kind of pivot and change it out. And I was just drinking Gatorade for the rest of the time. So that was the first kind of speed bump that I had to deal with. But it was nothing major because it was a pretty, pretty easy fix. Um, but once that was fixed, everything seemed to be flowing pretty well. My legs were feeling super fresh. I was keeping the paces that I had in mind for myself. I had um, a chart that my crew, or Lauren, my fiance, was keeping track of. Um, my goal pacing that I had for myself for every loop, and I was staying pretty consistent with it and hitting those paces. Um, pretty Everything was pretty unremarkable for most of the day, which I'm very fortunate for. Everything was flowing super well. Everything was going according to plan. Um, the day heated up pretty well, so I think, you know, I started in a jacket, but it ended up getting pretty toasty to where I was running in a sports bra and needing bandanas of ice in the middle of the day. So had, you know, the typical Florida heat swing in the middle of the day. Um, but I think it was after, so mile 60, I still finished in daylight. And that, it was at that point that I think I had to start focusing more on my power hiking and taking, like easing up a little bit. Um, my legs were starting to feel a little crampy, a little tired. Um, but on the flip side, power hiking is something that I have practiced. And I think I've realized is a really indispensable part of any ultra running, even if it's a flat race, like long haul, long haul is pancake flat. You don't get any breaks. There's like a three foot hill in one section and another three foot hill in another section. But like, that is it. So you really have to kind of like work on your pacing and not go out too fast. Um, but I, I remember like, power hiking this one section and this one guy asked me if I was walking the whole thing because I think I was like walking a 14 or 15 minute mile which is like it's a pretty decent clip you know yeah for 100 yeah that's no, not that's a still, slow walk still, yeah no, I, was, I was I was booking it man um yeah. yeah I think the first the second speed bump so after the tummy troubles that were in the beginning um around mile 70 I was starting to feel the fatigue um, I changed my caffeine strategy for this year. So I hadn't had any caffeine all day and I did it on purpose because in previous years, like clockwork, when the sun went down, I would hit this wall and like need a nap and pass out. <laughs> that, 
that didn't happen this year, thankfully. And I think it had something to do with withholding caffeine. So like not even from like a Coke or something like that. So I think around mile 70 was when I started using caffeine and it definitely helped, but I was still feeling that fatigue that always sets in around that point in the race because sun's going down, you know, um, mile 70 or yeah, that loop, um, I was starting to feel it. So I was starting to get in that dark place that we get in, in these races, starting to feel like, um, like I didn't know if I could hit the goal that I had set for myself in the beginning. Um, and then after finishing that loop, so I had set a goal for myself personally to not use a pacer at all in this race. And that was a personal decision for me because I feel like when I do have a pacer, I rely on them too much and use them as a crutch and like allow myself to like let myself feel bad and complain too much. So it was kind of more of a mental choice for me to not do that. So I didn't plan on having a pacer, but around, I think the eighth loop mile 80, I asked Lauren if she would walk with me because I thought that I was going to like pass out and, you know, I just needed the extra mental stimulation to prevent me from doing that. So she hiked with me, jogged with me a little bit. We had like a nice, easy, slow pace going. Um, but I was really feeling it. That was, this is going to be a little TMI, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's just part of the race. Um, sure. Around that point, I lost control of my bladder, which was like kind of scary for me in the moment. Um, but I, I had looked at her and I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I just, I remember literally saying that, stepping off the trail and it just like came out. I couldn't even like control it. And it continued for the rest of the race for the other, the last 20 miles. So that was, you know, another speed bump. Um, and you know, energy is still pretty low. Um, that was, I think on that loop was when I had that hallucination. So I had hallucinated that there was a lion laying in the middle of the trail. There are no lions in Florida. <laughs> it was just well, a patch of grass. <laughs> yeah. Outside of Zeus. Um, yeah. <laughs> we in Ohio, we had a bunch of escape zoo one time. I don't know if you. Oh, really? That was a. <laughs> it was it was a part of the Tiger King documentary. It was also a, a seminal memory for me because uh, we played the city where that happened in football that week, <laughs> and they moved the game. Because <laughs> oh it gosh. was a. It is a big deal. It's actually a very tragic and sad story. Um, that, but it's, yeah. Um, it, Never did, uh, you know, the Muskingum County Sheriff think he would have to go, you know, hunt a lion down. Um, <laughs> probably yeah. the highlight of his life. That's pretty cool, though. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an experience. Uh, We're going to ask you but... about lions again later tonight. So uh, <laughs> there's a question that I don't think existed last time you were on the show uh, that we'll hopefully get your response on. Sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the eighth loop was definitely struggle bus, very, very hard. Um, I knew that at that point I was doing pretty well, um, as far as where I was in placing overall female. Um, but I honestly wasn't even focused on that. I just wanted, I had a very specific time goal that I wanted to achieve and that's where my focus was. So, um, heading out after mile 90, 
on the last loop, um, the last spur that I had power hiked was um, heading out to one of the main aid stations um, out in the middle of the woods. Um, and I remember at that point, they fed me a cheese quesadilla, which was like, you know, the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was like exactly what I needed to wake up and get just a little bit more energy. Um, so on that spur, you, you hike the trail um, out to that aid station and hike back. And then there's a paved section that leads to um, the last little spur and the finish. Um, so after I had that quesadilla at the aid station, um, you know, we did our power hike out to that paved part. And as soon as we got to the paved part, I started booking it or what I thought was booking it, but it, in reality it was not that fast, but I felt like I was sprinting, but I think it was like a 10 minute mile. But like at the time that's as fast as my legs could go. But you know, in my head, I'm like Usain Bolt, like running down this paved path. Right. <laughs> Cause you know, in my head, I know the finish is so close and I just want to, you know, get to that finish line. Cause I know I'm going sub 24. Like I knew that I had that in the bag. Um, so run down the paved path, turn off into Spur 3 or Armadillo Alley. And I was running past these people. And I remember these three women that were walking together. Like, I overheard them say, what the heck? Because, like, you know, it's late in the race. No one's running that mm -hmm. fast. No one's looking, like, crazy like I am. <laughs> I run past them. I go, I finish the Spur and, like, turn, come back to turn out to finish. And, Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, uh, a lot there. I do want to dig into a, a couple things a little more deeply. I do also want to say, you know, I've congratulated you on this uh, this performance and this progression enough. I will say that's not our most TMI story on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and I do, I'm not going to uh, call her out, but I knew uh, a woman in high school who told me that, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happens to every girl in every cross-country race. Um which I also didn't believe at the time, um, <laughs> but apparently maybe more common than you might think. Um, but the thing I do um, actually want to ask a question about, and this, um, you know, uh, in the prep for this show, I reached out to um, Skunk Ape Events, I believe. Yeah. I don't know who I was talking to because the Instagram was <laughs> at Skunk Ape Events. I think it's Joe Fuller um, Joe Boy, is yeah. the guy's name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to chat a little bit about Florida uh, trail and ultra running specifically, yeah. I was at Long Haul last year, but I don't, you know, don't know much more outside of that. Um, he was really helpful. And one of the questions that he, you know, wanted us to ask, and this is something that I experienced there, you know, I never would have imagined I went to Florida in January from Ohio and I was wearing my puffy jacket during the day. Um, you know, was how did you plan for the big kind of temperature swing that'll take place over this race? It's, you know, 40, almost 50 degrees, depending on what the weather looks like from the start to the finish. Um, and how, how did you kind of prepare for that mentally going into this? And then also physically, you talked a little bit about, you know, ice bandanas and jackets and stuff, but tell us more about yeah. that. So I think mentally, you know, living in Florida and knowing how weird our weather is, I think I, it was a given, you know, mm -hmm. um, I knew like I dressed in layers, like I was already prepared for it. I think just living here and having that experience. Um, and I go into every race thinking that I'm going to overheat because of the humidity and how like, you know, you never know. I, I feel like you never really know how you're going to feel in the middle of a race down here because of 
the weird heat swings and like I said, the humidity and everything like that. So I didn't think that I would need the ice bandanas to cool down because looking at the forecast, it looked, it didn't look too, too hot. It looked, you know, manageable, but in the middle of the day, I think it really got to some people and affected, you know, people's stomachs and um, that heat kind of came out of nowhere. And I think it did start affecting people. Um, but then going into the night, and I think, you know, also just my experience running this race now for the third time, knowing that at night it does get a little chillier. So being prepared with extra layers and things like that. Um, but I think it just comes with living here. I think that's a, you know, a benefit of training and living down here is, you know, we expect the unexpected for the weather down here. And I heard that so after right after we finished and after we had gotten everything loaded up in the car to leave. There was tornado warnings. <laughs> Whoa. Like, yeah, yeah. the people wow. that um, were still out running, you know, I give major props to them because they ran through some pretty nasty weather. It was like torrential downpour, lightning, thunder, tornado warnings for the rest of the morning. It's crazy. Sounds like you got down at the right time. Yeah. Oh, it was, cr- it was kind of not funny. Funny for us, maybe not funny for anybody else. But as soon as we like shut the truck door, this big thunderclap and like lightning in the sky. It was like perfect timing when we went to McDonald's. <laughs> um, we got Jeff. I don't. I think the last name is probably pronounced Iosa or Iosa. I would uh, say Iosa, Iosa as well. Yeah, he said uh, yeah. tornado he, warnings he, at six. He was a. there as well. I yeah, think. he said tornado yeah. warnings were at six a.m. Uh, and said that he had a nice front row of the women's race um, through there. But, yeah, I, I mean, once you're out on the course and the tornado warning is going off, like, it's it's funny because, like, I've been in a couple races where there's been some pretty tough weather come through in the middle. And literally some of the people around me go like, now this is an ultra. Like, they're just, like, <laughs> super excited about it. <laughs> oh, dude, I was ready because I thought it was coming earlier. I thought it was coming like around 2 a.m. or so. I had a rain jacket, poncho and everything like ready to go. Um, luckily, we got out a little bit earlier, though. And, they, and that they was were... one thing that Lauren kept saying to me. She's like, you better finish this race before the storm starts. The storm's <laughs> coming. We got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine what it'd be like running with tornado watches, let alone tornado warnings. Uh, I'd yeah. be... Uh, picking up the pace well, major props to those people for sure i'll be running a little faster um yeah. than i thought i could probably at that point um I, I think it's funny to add to your your you know 40 degree temperature swings because what was the lowest like oh you remember 50, 40 I think maybe in the morning something like i think it was the morning starting temperature maybe 40 50 degrees i don't and know it's like shorts and t-shirt weather <laughs> no so way comfortable <laughs> Definitely not. Not for us. He's he's saying a lot, and I I was down there from from Ohio in January, and I will tell you, I I wore my Patagonia Houdini the whole time I was pacing, and I just that's you know like it's the it, humidity. It, it is not a warm fifty degrees, and I I say this knowing I live in a place where I I will swear to anybody like come to missoula in the winter a 30 degree day here in missoula is not like a 30 degree day anywhere else in the world um or at least anywhere else i've ever been but 50 degrees in florida was not warm and tropical the way i expected it to be i thought i was going to be on the beach after that race and i it it was not (laughs) i was wearing a coat on the beach (laughs) like (laughs) nice 
Yeah, no, it's the humidity, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, another thing I was curious about is, you know, you've been at this race, you know, it was three years in a row now. Um, and the format is really interesting. It's kind of the course for those of y'all who don't know is um, hub and spoke kind of. So there's a main central area and you do out and backs out of that. Um, and what was your plan like knowing not only really well the course going into this, especially it's five loops, you know, you've now done 15 laps of the long haul course <laughs> racing. We're not even going to talk about training. Um, you kind so of just really dialed in and you knew exactly what you would need, or were you just kind of a little more common? You were taking it kind of as it went, you know, did you spend any time sitting in a chair? Did you plan out your breaks to power hike? Like, did you schedule those out beforehand? So one thing that's a blessing and a curse with long haul is that you have such easy and often access to aid. And I think that can be, it's definitely been my downfall in the past because you know, you do spur one, you come back, there's aid. You go out to spur two, there's an aid station out there. You come back to the hub, there's aid. And like, mind you, it's a 10 mile loop. Like you see aid so many times and it's so easy to, you know, get sucked in and want to see your crew or something like that. So going in, I definitely had a plan. And I told Lauren this too, that, you know, like, please lay everything out on a table, grab and go, like no stopping. Like, I'll take it on, I'll walk, I'll take it on the run, I'll take it with me. Like, I know that it's a time suck. And I specifically know that because I would look back at my times from past years and like, see all this time that was being wasted because I was just standing, you know, because a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there doesn't seem like that much. But at the end of the race, you add that up, that's a half hour or like an hour, you know. Um, so I did definitely have a plan. Um especially early in the race um, for quick, easy, just grab and go type of aid stops. I try to be pretty self-sufficient um, at long haul without relying on the aid stations at the race, kind of rely on what I bring in my crew area. So I wasn't stopping at any other aid station other than my crew tent, um, other than like water refill or something like that real quick. Um, yeah, I think if I was going to give any advice to people that want to run long haul, it's definitely, you know, realize that, that it's awesome that you have such easy access to aid. And I think it's like super beneficial, especially if it's your first hundred mile race, but that can also be a curse and like come back to bite you in the butt at the end of the day, if you're trying to finish under a certain time. And if that's your goal, you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah. How much, how much time did you say you like spent standing around? or waiting around or sitting around or whatever it was in past years, a lot of time, you know, hours, the first year, couple hours, the second year, I got it down a little bit, but I, I think I slept for a half hour too. And like this year I sat down once to change my shoes and that was it. Yeah. You know? that's, that's like crazy. Cause like, but like, you know, Strava does their lovely like you know, calculations when you upload, uh, prior. So, you know, before you put it in race mode, it's like, Oh, you know, this is how long you were actually moving. Yeah. So like when I uploaded canal from October, it was like 25 hours and you know, my actual time was like 27 and a half. So like I you know, plopped down in a lot of seats, but that was like, my goal was like to get to the next seat. That was like my little treat. Yeah. Um, but then I like went and went paced. Unintentional Wesley. rhyme. No big deal. 
<laughs> then I went and paced Wesley at uh, Remda River, and in 90 miles, he was at less amount of time of aid station than I was at one aid station. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. it, it's just, like, crazy, like, how much time. Like, I would have been at, Especially you know, in the longer races, yeah. Yeah, you know, closer to 25, you know, only an hour from 24-hour finish if, you know, I was just moving through, you know, aid stations, so... Uh, that's something yeah, to keep two minutes in. here, three minutes there. I think that's just good advice in general for anybody doing an ultra, especially, no matter what the distance is. Yeah, especially yeah. like if, if mm-hmm. there's a specific time goal for that person um, trying to get done fast, you know, if, but if it's your first or you're just trying to get through it and have fun, then yeah. you know, do whatever feels. <laughs> different strategy, different strategy. <laughs> do whatever feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking, you know, you know, you're three years into these long haul things. You're like the long haul expert. You know, people are going to reach out to you <laughs> now in the future for long haul questions about how to attack this course. Uh, what's your, what's your plans going forward with this race and, and beyond even just this race, but maybe other, you know, ultras around, you know, kind of what, what are you trying to go for in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months? So with long haul, it's funny because um, at the pre-race meeting, Andy and Amy, the race directors, they had mentioned something about creating like a 500 mile buckle and a thousand mile buckle for people that had done it five times or 10 times. And Lauren looked at me and she's like, are you gonna do this? I'm like, no, no more. <laughs> and as soon as I finished the race, um, when Amy was handing me my buckle and everything, I looked at her and I was like, I'm coming back as a volunteer and a volunteer only, like I'll do an aid station, that's it. So for me, I achieved what I wanted to with long haul and I'm very happy that I was able to, and I'm very much looking forward to getting on the other side of it and being a volunteer. Um, But with other races and just, you know, running in Florida in general, I think that my main goals aren't really performance-based. I think I just want to like share how awesome running is down here. Cause I feel like a misconception with trail running down here is that, you know, one, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't think mm-hmm. that a lot of people are like familiar that we have a really awesome and amazing trail running community down here. Um, so I'd love to share that with people and just like maybe a little bit inspire people to try it out and like maybe dip their toe in the water with our crazy sport a little bit. Um, I don't have any specific goals performance wise for Florida running. I do have other goals for some, some other things myself though. A um, couple quick questions to add to that. One, yeah. what aid station would you want to be at then? I would love to create one on the third spur because right now there isn't one. And it's like, it's the only um, portion that's single track. It's called Armadillo Alley. Um, Mm -hmm. Every year, except this year, I trip on this one specific route. There's like nothing to trip on on this course. It's not technical. That's the only place. I know exactly (laughs) where you're talking about. It's the only place to trip on this course. Yes. And I have done it without fail every year, except this year. Because like (laughs) I made, I hiked the section. Every time I went down that spur, I walked it because I was like, I am not falling this time. (laughs) Not going to get me. But I would love to have an aid station out there with like wet wipes for people that do fall or like, you know, (laughs) that would be cool. That's just an aid station with just like wet wipes and band-aids. Just wet wipes. (laughs) (laughs) No, no food or water. That would, I mean, (laughs) honestly, that, that, I think that would add a, a particular element of fun when I, 
the couple of times I went down that pacing, uh, my friend Max Gavazzi there, it was just a very loud generator noise. Yeah. <laughs> powering the, um, the timing mat that you Yeah, that's all you get out there. <laughs> yeah, so you know, maybe, wet maybe wipes. Music we'll, or something. Yeah. yeah, we'll get you a little DJ booth and your wet wipes and your band-aids. Yeah. yeah. How, how can a Ridge Runner sponsor that um, at Long Haul? Let us know. <laughs> I will, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> um. And my other couple of questions are actually from, you know, Skunk Ape events in collab. Yeah. So a couple of quick questions I'm going to fire off uh, that he helped us uh, come up with. Um, favorite trail to run on in Florida? Kroom. Definitely Kroom. That is my favorite trail or system of trails. It's the best one. So what, what kind of trail is it? For it's us a little bit of everything. So you get, you know, it's beautiful single track, but there's also some really awesome Jeep trails that are pretty sandy. Um, I think you get a good variety of Florida terrain. Um, it's excellent to train on. You get some hills, you get some flats. It's, you know, a little bit of everything. It's wonderful to train on, especially for things that are out of state where, you know, I think a lot of trails around Florida, they're either too small or maybe too flat or not enough variety, but there it's long enough to where you get a good variety of um, terrain. Yeah. Nice. Um, number one misconception about running in Florida. That it doesn't exist <laughs> or that trail running doesn't exist maybe um, mm -hmm. or that we all ride alligators maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh. Our follow-up was, what was your number one misconception about just Florida in general? <laughs> well, that, that one goes hand-in-hand, hand, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe that, I don't know, just look at the news. Look at what people, look at, like, headlines. I think all of those mm -hmm. are misconceptions. Like, they think that everyone that lives down here is a reflection of that. Maybe in certain yeah, pockets, they, yeah, but not everywhere. <laughs> the Yeah, uh, for folks who don't know... Um, very famously, the reason there's a lot of Florida man stories is Florida has what they call their sunshine laws, um, which means that if anything happens in like a police report, the press has the ability to like look that up. It's actually really, really great actually for like freedom of journalism, but it leads to a lot of these uh, very terrible <laughs> clickbaity articles. Yeah, like, Can you imagine man. what this man in Florida did? And uh, as someone who grew up in Tuscarawas County, Ohio, there are plenty of Ohio men as well. <laughs> they just don't get the same kind of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. How does racing in Florida differ from other states besides the vert is not real? Uh, cause I think Florida is the only state that can literally say hashtag vert isn't real. Yeah, vert isn't get away. Real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've done races in two other states. I did one up in South Carolina and then I was able to do or try to do Leadville in Colorado. And I think just maybe the volume of runners and like the number of people that are familiar with the sport. I think it's getting to that point here. And I think that we have an amazing trail running community and ultra community, especially locally in the Tampa area. Um, but you can see it's like night and day between like here and somewhere in Colorado. Like, you know, everyone is familiar with the sport. People, you know, know the names of the big runners and things like that here. It's obviously a little bit different, a little bit more niche, a little bit, you know, more mom and pop kind of races, which I love. Like, I love that race environment. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that's a big difference. Um, yeah. Hopefully one day it gets to that point. I really hope it does. I think things that help 
that'll help with that are people like Harvey Lewis coming down and doing long haul. Like that's so amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Did you read the story? Just to share the course with him. It's amazing. Did you read the story about how he got there? Yeah. He like missed his flight. And then dude still wins the race. Like it's crazy. And overnight drove. I was like, I was like, this is why he ran 350 at Biggs because like obviously driving 13 hours and running 100 miles wasn't uh, enough, I guess. And such a nice and friendly guy out on the trail too. Like always smiling and waving, you know, as we pass. Because another great thing about long haul is that you're constantly passing people back and forth. So there's like always an opportunity to see someone, you know, later in the race, it turns to grunts, but like early in the race, you get the good job, like keep going kind of thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. mean, for Harvey, it's like, I got to personally say like props to him for being smiling after driving 13 hours overnight after teaching the full day. Like I would be sorry, but grumpy probably. (laughs) <laughs> it was a, it was incredible. John is yeah. a he's a guy who loves road trips too. Like, I do love road trips. Yeah, this guy was gonna fly into Denver and then drive to Utah. Uh, he was gonna visit last fall because well, he, he just wanted to drive through the, the mountains. mountains. Why not? Why would you not want to drive it's through? A pretty the mountain drive. Pass? I know. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we got a I got a few more uh, quick questions to go through here. Um, and one of them, Katie, you know, we've got our our Spotify playlist that we love, and you know, we think. You know, this this win deserves another addition to that playlist. So um, I forget what your song was last time. But I don't even remember. Add, yeah. If, uh, you know, if Ultra Running had walk-up songs like baseball does, you know, this is what you're going to play when you come up to your aid station with the wet wipes uh, and Band-Aids only. <laughs> what song are you going to put on? Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's great choice. I threw I threw that song into my playlist that I was listening to during the race and like instant mood changer. I think you have to put stuff like that in if you're listening, if you have your earbuds in, like amazing, like instant mood changer. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then this is uh, another one that um, we've tried out a few times. Um, obviously, it references uh, your line hallucination now. And it's, you know, if you've got... Um, You've got two options here. One is you can fight um, one chicken on the first day of the year, two on the second day of the year, three on the third day of the year, and so on. And it's just it's just you and the chickens, right? A lot of chickens. <laughs> bare hands. Oh, exponentially growing a number of chickens, in fact. Um, or you can take that whole year to train, um, and you can get a sword and armor, but at the end of the year, you have to fight a mountain lion. Which of these two options are you going to take? Yeah, so you're going to do a so, chicken every day, up to 365 chickens on the last day, or train for a whole year and fight a mountain lion. So is this like fight to the death? Yes. Yes. Like what? <laughs> it's a lot of chickens. Ew, I don't like this. I think I would take the mountain lion option. That's the right answer. Yeah. I'm okay. very adamant that that's the right answer. Yeah. Well, yeah, the chicken thing just seems very tiring. Like, you got to do that every day. I don't want that to be part of my daily routine, you know? I don't... Everyone who has picked the chickens, I want them to not fight. Just go pick up one chicken. Just pick it up. That's all, that's all you have to do. And then tell me you're going to do that hundreds of times in a day. It's, yeah. It's a lot. So, I don't think I would do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their argument is that, you know, the anticipation of the mountain lion at the end of the year is is mentally, you know, taxing. But to me, waking up 
every morning knowing yeah. I have to fight more chickens is even more mentally exhausting because I could spend the whole year not doing anything and then just die yeah. and you be just done live with in it. peace for the year. Yeah. And then, or, you know, I'd rather not fight chickens every day. I'd just rather, like, you know, live my life for a year and then just go, you know, and be like, okay, it's over. I get it. But yeah. it's, it's a really interesting approach, Sean, that you just decided that you're like, well, this is clearly terminal. <laughs> this mountain lion fight I have you like you got no shot no matter how hard I train I'm just gonna like, have a good year okay <laughs> I'm gonna see yeah, no, no chickens. I'm I'm out here like I could take on a mountain lion after a year of training. oh you're confident you would do a day one of the year no training no no, no I want I want one. the year I want the year no I'm not I'm not that confident there's there are theoretically mountain lions here. Like I want, I want the year. I want to know the time and the place. But I, I think with that, I like my odds. Yeah. Um, but we got uh, two more quick ones here. Uh, back on a little more serious of a note. Um, yeah. But you know, Katie, what is uh, one word? You've got to pick one word um, that describes the Florida trail and ultra running community. What's that word? Welcoming welcoming i've made so many friends um i'm a pretty introverted person and it's like it's kind of hard for me to make new friends and like talk to people especially when i'm going to these events and i don't know anybody but i have made so many friends just mm -hmm. by going to these races and seeing familiar faces and everyone is so welcoming and so supportive um and it's been incredible it's been pretty life-changing for me so definitely welcoming yeah great answer and then um, this last one that we're going to end on, what is your, your biggest goal for your own running in Florida if you haven't just accomplished it? See, this is really hard because up until now, that has been the goal. So mm -hmm. I've had to – I do have a bucket list kind of goal that I don't know will ever happen. It would be really awesome if it would happen. Um, I've been eyeing it for a little while, um, I guess – I've been keeping it to myself, but I guess I'll just say it. <laughs> now is the time, right? Yeah, you keep or it I can I can guess what I I can say what I want it to be personally. But Ooh, what's that? <laughs> uh, Florida Trail supported FKT. How did you know? <laughs> that really? is it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's just, sometimes you can read things, you know. Yeah, I just, that is but it. But also, damn, Cam. You know. Yeah. No, the I think I think uh, there's a lot of through hikers who. Um, you know, they approach the Florida trail as like an afterthought after they've done the AT or the PCT or something. And I'm like, yeah. that sounds really cool in its own right. And I don't actually, um, well, I, I think the supported FKT on it, I only know the men's, um, there and is no I, women's. I, yeah. There is no okay. women's. Yeah. Well, and if the, if the guy I'm thinking of that holds it, um, I hate that guy. So definitely go take it from him too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would, right. that would be one day, you know, in the future. Mm -hmm. Someday. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know because, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get Florida Wesley out of, um, you know, uh, Montana here and we'll get him down there with, uh, with some cameras. Yeah. We'll, we'll make a film Sweet. about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Katie. Um, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. The floor is yours now for a second. Anybody you'd like to thank, any sponsors, uh, anything you'd like to plug of your own, uh, go ahead and do that now. Um, number one, I have to thank my fiance, Lauren. Um, without her, I don't think 
a lot of the things that I have been doing would be possible. You know, she supports me on the daily with, you know, me going out and spending all of this time training. Um, so that definitely has to be said. And, and, you know, she's my number one fan and the best soccer mom ever and crew captain. So many thanks go to Lauren for her continued support in me doing this. Um, and then I've got to plug, you know, two different things. <laughs> Salt stick. So I love their products. I do product testing for them. Great company, especially for down in Florida, because um, it is so humid and hot. Um, they do electrolyte supplements and things like that. Um, so if you haven't checked them out, check them out. Um, and then athletic brewing. Um, one thing that I have changed within the past years, cutting back on my alcohol consumption. Um, I do like a beer after a long run. Um, and I think that just comes with me ramping up my training and doing some, you know, lifestyle changes. So Athletic has helped me with their, you know, non-alcoholic craft beer because I do love a good craft beer. Um, but when, you know, I want to reach for a beer after a run and I get this instead, it gives you that same kind of, you know, satisfaction without the alcohol. So, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Uh Thank you for being on the show tonight with us and talking to us about, uh, you know, long haul and your progression over the last three years with it going from 28 mid pack to winning. Uh, I think that provides a lot of, uh, inspiration for, for everyone else that, you know, a little bit of dedication, hard work and focus can get you a lot further than you might think it can. Um, so thanks again to Ridge Runner Nation for listening. Um, if you like what we're doing here at Ridge Runners, you know, show us your support. Give us a, a little subscribe below, uh, and we'll see you on the next episode of Ridge Runners Live. Uh, we've got a few fun new styles of show coming up in the future, so hope you guys enjoy those. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh,